Welcome to the In All Things Podcast. I'm Sierra, and I'm glad that you're here for real, biblical, uplifting conversations on everything from God's grace and biblical covenants to hearing others' stories and their lives and faith. Let's imagine we're sitting down together for these conversations and walk together towards living out our theology and our everyday lives as we seek Christ in all things. Welcome back to the podcast. It is the month of love. Happy February. In two weeks, I am going to have a couple come on to share their love story and trusting God when the waiting seemed long. And I'm really excited for you to hear that conversation. However, I also know that as the month of February, when romantic love is widely celebrated, it can be a little bit more challenging for those waiting on that story to still unfold for them. So I am so excited to share Josh and Amanda's story in two weeks. But I also feel like I would be a bit remiss or maybe even insensitive if I didn't also share this other perspective. One, to acknowledge this other perspective and encourage those who are in that waiting right now, but also to help those who aren't familiar with it and help them to be able to acknowledge it as well. Two years ago, when I started this podcast, my very first guest was my friend Lydia, and we talked about our experience in singleness then as well. And the episode is still up, and I would encourage you to revisit it, and I hope that that would also be an encouragement to you. But in today's episode, I do hope to share new things. Last summer on my personal Instagram page, I created a real series that It was titled, Things I Wish People Would Understand About Christian Singles, and it was 15 parts long. And my goal with that series were to both encourage singles and let them know that they're not alone and to help those who aren't single encourage their single friends. So as I've mentioned before, I really try to make all of my episodes applicable to everybody listening. Probably don't do that perfectly, But I hope that in my marriage episodes, it's not just for married couples. And in my parenthood episodes, those who aren't parents can hopefully glean something as well. And in the same way, if you are not single, I really do hope that this will be insightful to you. So back to my Instagram Reel series, I'd like to talk about some of those things today, but with a twist. I want to talk directly to other singles because I've realized that we just don't talk about this topic a lot. And I've learned things along the way although I'm by no means perfect, that I would like to share. And I do hope that those who aren't single will still listen, and this may help equip you to encourage the singles in your life as well. And if you'd like to check out that real series for yourself, you can find me at Sierra Heather underscore, um, and all of the reels are on my personal profile there. So the first thing that I wanted to share is marriage is not promised in the Bible. Nowhere in God's word does it promise everyone who desires a spouse to have one. It's a hard realization to come to, especially when it is something that is so strongly desired in your life. Oftentimes, as a way of encouragement, people will say to their single friends, oh, I just know that this will happen for you, or I promise you will get married someday. But the thing is, is how can anyone else promise this when God hasn't even done so? To back up this piece of encouragement will often be quoted the verse from Psalms saying, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And while that is an uplifting verse, I really honestly think it's misapplied here. God doesn't just all of a sudden grant us our wishes because we spend time with him. Instead, when we delight in our relationship with him, 
our heart's desires are going to mold to his, not the other way around. Therefore, when we begin to truly delight in him, we will most likely become content in him at the very least. Since we know that marriage is not promised, it's hard to know what to do with that information. We can't necessarily look at singleness as a stage of life or a season, as we often refer to it as. Both the words season and stage insinuate that it will eventually pass and change. And as hard as it is, I think we can simultaneously have hope and faith that God will answer our prayers while also holding our dreams loosely and realizing that we have to continue living our lives, even if that dream does not come true. It reminds me of that image that has circulated online. It's a picture of a little girl holding a small teddy bear, and Jesus is reaching out his hand saying, can you give that to me? And the little girl says, but I love it. Meanwhile, behind Jesus's back is a giant teddy bear that he's waiting to give her when she hands over the small one. And it's meant to portray our dreams or gifts that we're holding so tightly to that we aren't willing to surrender to him. Meanwhile, we have absolutely no idea what his plans are. They could be bigger and better. My friend Amanda, who's going to be on the podcast in two weeks, was at my house one day and she was just doodling on a piece of paper. She likes to do calligraphy. And when she left, I read what it said and it said, let go for God's greater. In my tiny little brain, with my tiny little plans, marriage and kids seem like the pinnacle of life. It seems like a dream come true. But in reality, not that God would ever say that those things are bad because they're not, but in reality, he may have different plans that in the long run may be better for me and may bring more glory to him than giving me marriage and children. And wow, is that a hard thing to even say out loud? But when we begin to realize that, there's also a lot of freedom that it brings. It frees us from worries, but we have to surrender those things to him. Second is, have you ever noticed that a vast majority of lessons or sermon applications as adults apply to only married couples or parents? We may often leave those places thinking, well, what about those of us who aren't in those seasons? We could be sitting in church and the examples that are given for the message are only given towards being a husband or a wife or a mom or a dad. Singles aren't the only ones being left out either. There are widows, divorced parents, etc. And we could all use life application examples for ourselves. I think it's really important that we realize this isn't intentional. Speakers or pastors aren't writing their content and thinking, I'm going to purposefully exclude singles from this topic. No, they're not doing that. They probably don't even think about it because they're not in that place in life. The nice thing is, is we can bring awareness and help make changes just by talking about it. By talking about these things, people will start to notice even if they're not single. I've been talking about this a little bit more with people around me. And I've had a married lady tell me that she went to a conference and noticed how one of the session topics had nothing to do with motherhood, but every example given was only towards mothers. And she noticed because I had been pointing that out. And so it's worth considering that maybe by saying these things, we can create a ripple effect of change. Another step further of making change would be to approach people specifically about this, 
or use your influence in areas to change it yourself. Maybe you're on a committee at your church or you have a relationship with maybe your pastor or an elder at your church. You can greatly influence simply by drawing attention to the fact that you've noticed content isn't applicable to everyone. As an example, I'm heading up the women's ministry at my church, and I know that there are singles and wives, moms, divorcees, retirees in my church that we need to make content applicable for. And I try to be very intentional about making our events and sessions applicable for as many life stages as possible. And by being vocal about it, I hope that those who hear me can use their influence in different circles in their life to speak up as well, even if they're not in that stage of life. Number three, I am sure that every single has been told, it'll happen when you least expect it. Or as soon as you stop looking, you're going to find your person. I challenge us to ask ourselves, do we really think that God is waiting for his children to look away before giving them something that they desire? In fact, I know that singles actually aren't the only people who hear this. Those who are house hunting or trying to have children or looking for a job, whatever may it be, we're not the only people who hear this. I really do believe that we should be content in whatever season we are in. But there are many, many people who are content in their singleness or wherever they're at in life who have, quote unquote, stopped looking. And God hasn't just dropped the one into their lap during that point. We often look at singleness as a problem to be solved. And by we, I mean both singles and our friends. In our culture, it is very easy to feel this way. And I am sure that we have all found ourselves one day thinking, hmm, you know, I've been pretty content for a month. Okay, where's my person, God? You know? But I found that it's really important to live the life in front of you, to be present. We can utilize our singleness, your position in your current job, your smaller house, whatever it is, for so much. Ministry, skill building, learning the joy of the Lord. We don't need the mindset of, well, once I'm content, God will bring somebody along. Because that's just not necessarily true. We also often hear the adage of once you put Jesus first in your life or learn the lessons that God is trying to teach you or invest in your relationship with Christ, then God will send you your spouse. Again, I'm going to be the first person to tell you that we need to be putting our relationship with Christ first. We need to be listening to what he's trying to teach us and really investing in our relationship with him. I'm not going to deny that whatsoever. However, What those statements do is promote a prosperity gospel, one where if we spend X amount of time with the Lord, we are going to earn a relationship with a human being. A relationship is not a reward. Now, it might feel like it to those of us who are watching everybody else enter into relationships, right? But it is not a biblical idea, nor is it true. We cannot expect a romantic relationship in exchange for the effort we put into our relationship with Christ. I'll say that again. We cannot expect a romantic relationship in exchange for the effort we put into our relationship with Christ. Besides, the fruits of that effort, the fruits of spending time with the Lord, are so much more rewarding than any relationship here on earth will ever be. My next point is, actually applies to everybody, not just singles. Be in community with people in different ages and stages. 
singles specifically get a lot of advice as far as how they should use this time in their lives. And among that list usually are things like read your Bible, dive deeper in your relationship with the Lord, get involved in a church and serve in ministry regularly, learn new skills like cooking or budgeting or finding a fun hobby. We're even encouraged to travel the world to see more places and interact with new cultures. That is all excellent advice. I would not disagree with any of it. In my experience, though, I have found one thing that is specifically missing from that list that I hardly hear anybody else talking about. The thing I would add would be to find a community of believers who are not all in the same life stage and do life with them. I've talked about this before, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but it is very important to not surround yourself with only single people. Or if you're a mom, only with moms. Or if you're a husband, only with husbands. You can almost create an echo chamber of sorts when you do this. It is such a blessing to be surrounded by married couples, parents, retired people, college students, and single friends. It can make a world of difference in your life. We have so much to learn from each other. And oftentimes, it can feel like churches in particular are encouraging only married groups, and then they have the singles groups, and then they have the widow groups, and it goes on. Now, I do believe that those are important as well. We can absolutely be a part of those groups and support others who are walking through the same thing as us, offer advice for things we're currently learning, and it's nice to be able to say, you know, I'm going through that too right now. However, the lack of encouragement to be with others in other stages and ages is where I find a bit of an issue. We all have so much to share with each other and so much we can learn from each other that there comes a time when those separate groups are actually a disservice. I often joke that I'm going to have a perfect marriage and be a perfect mom just because I get a front row seat in a positive way to my friends' lives as they navigate marriage and parenthood. I get to learn from their mistakes before I'm even in that season. Now, obviously, I know that's not true. I'm not going to be perfect, but I really do see that as a blessing that I get to learn from them before I'm even there. My fifth point is addressing the encouragement that we hear to follow your dreams. No matter what stage of life you're in, you have probably heard this before, but I see it in uh, Christian dating groups like frequently. We are encouraged to follow our dreams now because this is the time to get our dream job or go on our dream vacation, reach all of our goals, etc. And that's technically not false. It would be a great time to do those things. But I do have to wonder about those whose dream is to be a wife and a mom or a husband and a dad. It's pretty hard to follow that dream when you're single because, well, you're single. When I've been talking to other singles lately, I've been encouraging them and myself too to find a skill or a habit that we can work on that will benefit us as a single person and as a married person potentially in the future. Maybe it's learning how to bake or learning to be more handy with tools. Perhaps it's refurbishing furniture or investing. What is something that can grow your skill set and grow your faith that will benefit you whether you are single, married, or even a parent? It would be really productive to start thinking of how to be prepared for when that person does walk into our lives. Stephanie Mae Wilson is a Christian dating coach, and she asks this question. If God sent your future spouse into your life tomorrow, would you actually be ready? 
Not that you're ever going to be 100% ready for that, right? But there will always be ways that we can still prepare for a future spouse. That doesn't put all of our hopes into getting one. Um, Getting our health, finances, relationship with the Lord, relationship with others, and skills in order are all a huge jumpstart in the quote-unquote preparation. But the thing is, is if you don't end up being married or you're still single two decades from now, each of those things will benefit your life alone as well. Another thing that comes up during the singleness conversation is how hard and lonely singleness can be sometimes. And it really can be hard. It's easy when we're feeling sad to feel like our sadness is being misunderstood or it's being overlooked or it's being brushed aside by others. And I want to offer encouragement in this area. To those who are feeling down right now, first of all, you are not alone. From my experience, I think my best advice is that it's okay to feel sad, but don't process those feelings alone. Praying out loud is great. Um, Journaling your thoughts and feelings is productive. Talk to a trusted friend. And when you've done that, I'm not just going to tell you to get over it or move on, but I am going to encourage you to not dwell in your sadness. And trust me, when I am saying this, I'm saying it to you just as much as myself. But if we're honest, that isn't the healthiest mindset to be dwelling in sadness. Look around, identify the blessings in your life, be open to the opportunities you have, and recognize the freedoms that you have in your life at this moment and enjoy them. In fact, my sister encouraged me to challenge myself in this area, and I'd like to encourage you to do this with me, whether you are single or not. This is not just for singles. Um, I'm calling it the 321 challenge, just to give it a little catchy name. Um, and every day for two weeks, we're starting simple. If we want to keep going, we can. But for two weeks, I am going to identify three things that I'm grateful for that day. It should be different each day. I'm going to write down two things that I'm looking forward to, one long-term and one short-term. So you could say, I'm excited to graduate college in two years, or I'm excited to um, retire (laughs) when you're older. Um, And then a short-term one could just be like, I'm looking forward to seeing my friend next week or going on a trip next month, something like that. And then I'm going to identify one reason that I'm grateful to be in the place that I'm in right now. So what is good and things that I'm grateful for, for the place that God has me in right at this moment in life? I'm asking you if you will join me. Check out my Instagram at inallthingspod for more details in a few days, but I'm excited about this challenge. Point seven, we're almost done. As unfortunate as this is, sometimes singles don't really see what is worth celebrating in their life. The things that we see as being most often celebrated have to do with romantic relationships. And it can be easy to feel left out of that. But I believe that there are definitely things that we can celebrate as singles and even throw parties for if that's what we want. If you got a new job or a promotion, that is exciting and worth celebrating. So throw a party if you want to. Did you move? Gather your friends, host a dinner and a game night at your new place, even if it's just an apartment. I'm going to be moving at the end of this month and it's going to be a big change from where I currently am, but I'm still renting. And I had so many people praying over my housing situation. So once I get settled in, I will most likely throw some sort of party with my friends and hang out at my new place. 
Another thing that I do is I throw myself a birthday party every year. I love birthdays. So this is just a way for me to gather my friends all in one room and hang out. And it's so much fun every year. Another thing that some of my friends and I celebrate is our friend anniversaries. Sometimes it's a happy friend anniversary text with a picture sent, or other times it's a little gift card to get coffee or we'll meet for dinner. Next month, my friend Lydia and I are celebrating 20 years of friendship, and that is a long time. And we think it's worth celebrating. So we planned and we saved for a while, and we are using it as an excuse to go on a trip. And we leave five days from when this episode came out. I have another friend who later this year, we're going to be celebrating 10 years as friends. And we've talked about doing something special for that as well. But my point is you can go as big or as small as you want. It gives you something to celebrate with your friends. Milestones like moving or job changes are celebrating too. Do you love the first day of summer? Throw a beginning of summer party. Are you learning to cook or bake? Have an evening in with some friends to practice or to show off that new skill. We don't need to wait for somebody to throw us a party in order to celebrate these things. We can do it ourselves and it's so much fun. My final thing to share is related to online dating. I laugh a little bit at the fact that anyone who has ever recommended online dating to me has been one of two types of people. Those who have tried online dating and it was successful, and those who have never tried online dating at all. Um, Definitely not to say that you're in the wrong for suggesting it, but I just have to laugh. I think the reason is pretty straightforward, and it's the fact that online dating is dang rough. It 100% can work, so I'm not knocking it all together. But what some people don't realize is how hard online dating can be. It's hard when you put yourself out there over and over again and you don't see fruit of that. It's hard to get outright rejected or get ghosted or have to weed through people's odd or inappropriate comments and or pictures. But there's a lot you can learn on there too. So it's not so much that you shouldn't be online. That is not what I'm saying. But it's whether or not you're prepared. I did want to share my top four pieces of advice, though, if you are going to try online dating. And if you are not single, but maybe you know somebody, I would encourage you to share these tips with them. The first one is, again, to make sure you are in the right mindset. And to go into a little bit of detail, this actually has two aspects. The first, it this sounds so harsh, but basically we need to be mentally prepared for the rejection that is naturally a part of this experience. If you know that you are not at a place to handle that, don't start. Or if you start and then come to realize that it's not good for you, get off. It's really just that simple and easy. Create those boundaries for yourself because it can be hard. The second part of that is to make sure that you are ready to date and that you're not playing with the emotions of others. If you're just on there to talk to a girl or guy, that's the wrong reason. If you're on there for an ego boost, wrong reason. If you're on there for just for fun with no intention of taking it seriously, that's not a good reason to be on there either because you're playing with other people's feelings. Those other people absolutely could be on there seriously. And when you play games and are only on there to just have somebody to talk to, you're not considering someone else's real feelings. Earlier this fall, I wanted to get on a dating site because I just wanted somebody to talk to. But thankfully, I was able to resist that and I didn't download it until I was in a better headspace. So basically, just know your limits and your motives. 
Second is to trust your gut instinct on first impressions. Now, of course, there is extending grace to others, but remember that these are strangers on the internet. And if you extend grace once and there isn't a change made, believe what they're showing you. I know that sounds so cynical. I think in-person dating is different with this because you have a lot more to go on. But online dating is just that. It's online. My third tip is to invite others into this experience. Sharing it with one or two friends or family members makes it a lot more fun. It provides accountability and it can help protect your emotions. They don't need to be messaging people for you, but they can look over your shoulder, hear your stories or see the people you're swiping on and it just makes it more enjoyable. And then finally is know what you believe and stick to your beliefs. Don't go into online dating thinking, oh, he says he's not waiting for marriage, but I bet I convince him to for me. Or we disagree about this important theological belief, but she's so sweet and pretty and I probably won't connect well with anyone else, so I'll compromise on this. No. If you are convicted in certain areas of your life, stick to your standards. Do not settle just because you connect well with somebody. Just remember that your mental state is really important and you need to do little check-ins with yourself or have others check in with you to make sure that you can continue taking in all that is online dating and that your heart is in the right spot. As I mentioned, I also know that online dating does work. My friends, Josh and Amanda, that you're going to hear from in two weeks, they met online and they're going to share their story of meeting and how that all worked for them. So I do know that it works. Just to close, my prayer is that this episode was really encouraging to you. Um, Maybe you're single and I was able to provide some solidarity and some encouragement and maybe helpful ideas. Or maybe you have friends that are single and you want to encourage them in new or better ways. So I do hope that this was helpful to you. I thank you so much for listening and make sure to tune back in in two weeks. Thanks for joining in on today's conversation. I pray that you feel encouraged and uplifted in your walk with the Lord, and I hope to see you again. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at InAllThingsPod or visit my website, InAllThingsPodcast.com for more content. If you enjoyed the episode, I would love it if you invited your friends into our conversations. Please share with your friends and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening platform. This helps get the word out about In All Things so that it's easily accessible to more people. See you next time.